panel. Three people up there. Mm. Join Colin. Um, we've got Lorna Deng. Lorna is the co-founder of DivTel, a HR consultant and a passionate advocate for equality. Her purpose is to help create a more inclusive future of work. We have, yes, thank you. We have Francesca E. Silva. Francesca is one part hacking HR committee partner, two parts avid coffee drinker, and three parts a curious individual wanting to disrupt HR to bring in the future of work. She also finds writing a self-bio awkward. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, and finally, we've got Sharon Morton. Sharon is a Hacking HR Committee partner and experienced HR practitioner. Sharon is curious and passionate about working alongside the next generation to help them explore new workforce models and to shape their vision on the future of work. It's a full panel. Uh, and how many of us are envious of the high-flying, cushy lifestyle of seasonal fruit pickers? Everyone? <laughs> I mean, we'd all Colin, love, we'd they're all just love backpackers. <laughs> they're backpackers who aren't they're getting paid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're getting free booze. <laughs> no, I, I think that's what it is. I don't know. I tried to great pick once. Uh, I've, got, I've got empathy now. I got bad back syndrome. Yeah. The, the topic is not fruit picking, though it no. should be. It's the lifestyle we should all embrace. Uh, but the topic of discussion is what must HR professionals do now to reap the benefits of organisations' investment in diversity and inclusion. Beautiful. Thank you and take it All away. Right. All right. I'm, I'm pretty fired up about this one. <laughs> Australians are really crap at this topic. Mm -hmm. Organisations, we're horrible, we're quite racist, we're quite, um, you know, I'm going to provoke it right from the very start. We think we've done it. Okay. Yeah, we think we've done this diversity thing. In fact, I read that article that actually said we're a bit over it. Over <laughs> the diversity. We're over diversity. Yeah. Um, so let's get fired up. Why yeah. are you fired up about this one, Francesca? Um, it probably is a bit of a personal story. So um, my accent gives away that I'm originally from South Africa. So I think coming from South Africa into, I originally landed in Perth with my younger sister when we immigrated. South Africa to Perth? Yes. And um, when I arrived there, I th coming from South Africa, we already have quite a big racial divide. We, um, our history speaks to, um, we went through apartheid. We already have that history there. So I'd never really understood the other sides version of the story and then coming to Perth and yeah being discriminated against because I was South African and one of the things that I was chatting to Lorna about and I hope you don't mind me sharing this is I was saying to her you know I at least could make myself look like everybody else until I opened my mouth and then my voice gave away She's different. She's not from here. She's from South Africa. And one of the big reasons why I wanted Lorna on the podcast is because if we're going to start to talk about diversity and inclusion, we need to start band-aiding the topic and really not lean in but fall into the conversation and get curious about someone else's journey. And when I um, approached Lorna about this and asked her if she was keen to get involved... I actually asked a quite a direct conversation and we had a really real raw conversation, which I, th I think was needed. And I just asked her, you know, from your perspective, what does the world look like for you? Because I could hide my difference, but I understand that it's not easy for you to do so because the world already projects their own perception of you. 
Lorna? Yeah, it was an interesting conversation and, you know, I'm a South Sudanese person in Melbourne. You know, we are one of the most discriminated people in this place. And so, and for me, diversity and inclusion, it's not a topic. It's not a nice to have thing. It's my life, you know. And so when I have conversations about it, you know, these are real emotions. These, This is my experience. It's what I face at work and, you know, when I go home and, you know, when I get on public transport. And so... And so I think the diversity and inclusion topic, and I also read that article around the we're so tired of diversity. <laughs> we're so tired and, of diversity. And, and we how did that make you feel? It. Like I was so, I was so I mean, fired up. And I think that's the thing. People, yeah, people think diversity and inclusion is a topic when it's people's lives that is that is that should be the topic. You know, these are people's experiences and. And I think that's the big misconception. I think these days um, it's very much around, you know, uh, quotas and metrics and you know, let's put up a cool photo of our diverse team where in reality organisations are really not diverse. And so it's really around the optics where, you know, if you're having the conversation, it should really be about, you know, what is the experience of your underrepresented people within your organisation? You know, are they being developed? You know, are they being you know, sponsored, you know, are they getting equal opportunities as everyone else? And and I think that's that's the missing part. We've really gone too far and, you know, we were now missing the humanity side of diversity. Yeah, and I think it's because the purpose behind it is all profit-driven. You are looking on a return on investment, whereas you should be looking at it as it's collective consciousness again. Like, your organisations should reflect that wider community in which you operate. Like, it doesn't make sense for organisations not to do this from a collective whole, but they band-aid diversity and inclusion and then they put an initiative in and they say, well... At the same time, I reckon we need to do the end. That is, we need to do it for all of those reasons, all of those reasons, and the economics. Like, um, quite candidly, like, if, if if money's the thing that talks and if money's the things that changes this then let's do whatever we take. It's like climate change. It's like everything. Um, It's bloody sad that that's what it would take. Um, Mm. But if that's what it would take, I would would be prepared to do it. What's some of your lived experiences, Lorna? What are some of the things that we could be amazed by? So I think uh, so. I'm South Sudanese, but I I didn't grow up there because of the war. So I've lived in seven cities. So I my childhood was very unstable so born in Kenya lived in Botswana went to Egypt Wales and then migrated to Australia so a lot of instability and you know coming to Australia was so exciting and you know you come to this country where you know there's so much opportunity and hope and and you come here and the reality is very different it's actually you know coming with nothing and starting from scratch I think really face that as a family and you know everything I have today I've had to work really hard to get there and Harder than you think you should have to work, like to prove yourself? I think so because being, you know, I'm automatically judged just based on my skin colour. And so, you know, it's – and you're constantly just having to fight the stereotypes away. And, you know, I've got brothers, you know, who are six foot tall – South Sudanese guys, you know, you know, working professionals, you know, don't get into criminal activity at all and but they sit on the train and, you know, people move away because because what you see on TV is, you know, South Sudanese men are, you know, dangerous and, you know, they and so and so that's the experience of a lot of people and wow. Wow. 
Sure. And, and Colin, I'm sitting here and yeah, I read yeah. an article, um, and I, as, as I said in my intro, long time in, in HR, so the line's pretty long. Um, and I've only met Lorna tonight. We had a lovely conversation just before. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, this is really confrontational for, uh, for, for me and I'm sitting in a privileged position because I'm naturally born Australian. Things uh, come easy to me, okay? Um, and got into what was um, affirmative act affirmative action years yep. ago that went yeah. into inclusion and diversity um, and certainly around representation of females in, in the organisation and representation of females in leadership roles. Yes. And along the way we thought, oh, but we're a multicultural society, we better start thinking about it yeah. but we're not doing anything about it. And that's and I love your analogy around the underrepresentation of your population in your organisation and how are they going. Um, and the other thing that resonates with me is the lived experience. Uh, earlier on, you talked about and we had a session around leadership. I had experience like that just recently, where we say young people are too young for leadership because they haven't have experience. He's lived experience. Absolutely. You know, so that replacement as well. I think we. All the, and the connection piece, connect as humans rather than judge. Um, and, and I'm a mother of young lads and I say, don't judge people for who they are, judge people for... or see them for who they are, not who you want them to be. Yeah. And that, that's the messaging as well, but organisationally, yeah, it, it, it's a long way behind. I, um, I think one of the things, like, the reasons for getting so fired up about this is it's it's... Probably we've hit that moment where we've – I'm about to say we've done enough around empowering individuals and saying you can do this, okay? Like I think that time – in fact, that probably time hit um, – was ineffective some time ago. It's now seriously about systemic change. It's, it's seriously about boards of directors, uh, small business owners, government leaders just making a genu genuine stand um, – I think it goes a little bit further and as an article yep. friend referred, I think we referred each other to from, a, I can't remember the lady's name, and she said you can look for all these sweet spots and little shiny things in your organisation, but it starts with me. Yeah, yeah. So the judgement that I'm making, yeah. and, I, and it gets back to everything we talked about tonight, yeah. that connection piece, sees as humans, yeah. Yeah. that's where we're going wrong. It starts with me. We've got HR influencers in the room. What, what, what's our ask from them? What are you asking of them, Francesca, the people in this room? I think I would just say when you are looking at designing diversity and inclusion initiatives, ask the people that are different what the experience is like because that will help you shape a meaningful diversity and inclusion strategy. Yeah, yeah, which is also about listening as opposed to justifying or, or just... Yeah, and just putting it into a category. Yeah, just I think going in with the right mindset that it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's through that uncomfortable feeling that we create change. Hmm. Lorna? I think it's really looking at systems. You know, a lot of systems have bias embedded in them and really just acknowledging that and going from... You know, it's a, it's a shift in mindset. So you're going from unconscious bias to conscious inclusion. So as recruiters, you know, if you look at your who you're recruiting into the organisation, are they reflecting the organ? Are, are they reflective of the community? 
And as leaders, you know, if you're promoting people and you're um, developing people, you know, are they diverse? Do they represent the community? And I think sometimes the, you know, diversity um, categories can be very narrow. So it's gender, you know, cultural diversity. It's, you know, LGBTI and accessibility. And, you know, I went to an event a few a few weeks ago and, you know, someone talked about their chronic illness. Yeah. And, like, that's not even a conversation, you know, that we're having. It's not even part of the diversity conversation. And you were talking about inclusion and we're completely excluding this entire group of people that are not... Can I ask all, all three of you, um, what's... What's the weird part about those conversations? Like, so if someone sat down with you, Lorna, and, and said, oh, tell me about your story, like, wh where do they start getting weirded out? Does that make any sense? Like, they kind of go, whoa, I don't know what to do with that anymore. Do, do, you, do you have that experience? Like, that people don't even know how... You said seven cities, you said war-torn... Like yeah, yeah. So I think you know, coming, you're living in Australia. I have such a different upbringing. You know, people that people just wouldn't even understand. You know what? You know where I've come from, and you know probably will never really understand where I've come from and what I've gone through. And I think sometimes are they even interested? Like I know that sounds a strange question, but do they show genuine interest in it? Because I'm yeah, I'm fascinated can, already yeah, about your story. Yeah. Like I so want to mm. yeah, understand exactly. it. Yeah. You can definitely tell when people are interested and in, and in if they're just asking, you know, out of non-genuine. Yeah. So it's it's easy to pick up. And so when people really are interested in you, know, I'm happy to engage and you know share. This is where I've come from. This is what I've experienced. And I think it's and it's if you're curious and you know, people are actually willing to open yeah. up and share their experiences. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sharon, you work. You've had. Uh, a, a career in HR, you've seen lots of change over that time. How do we make systemic change? How do we influence that? For me, and it gets back to this, it's me, it's in every single one of us, we should go home tonight and say, what judgment calls am I making? Yeah. Every, that's to me where it gets down. Fundamentally, what judgment calls am I making? Um, and, and I challenge people that I engage with all the time with the question, how do you know how, do you, how do you know? How do you know? Great question. They don't know because we've got to be curious. We've got to ask the question and we're not stopping. Yeah. yeah. And we've got to start with me. Yeah. Francesca? Um, I probably echo all of those things. Um, I was recently reading a book, I think it's by Lee Sales, An Ordinary Day, and she's talking about essentially um, resilience and how she looks at the events across Australia and how people have risen above them yes. Um, due to their inherent faith. But the interesting thing is she spoke to how people, when you do lose a loved one, the people around you feel uncomfortable to touch base, check in and see how you're doing. And I would parallel that to diversity and inclusion because you, you don't ask the other person about their journey because it makes you feel uncomfortable, but you justify it by saying it would make that person feel uncomfortable, which isn't true. So it's about getting curious and really thinking about things like your recruitment strategies. Do they make sense? And uh, diversity is across all, it's an array of things. So you've got, what about neurodiversity? You've got, if we can't even get the woman element right, how are we gonna get women of color into the workforce. It's just, yeah, really challenging your beliefs. In the audience, um, we have Wessa and Chris, is Christine around? Done incredible piece of research that I'm so proud of uh, and humbled by. Uh, done uh, some research around the Asian, Australian Asian experience. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, and one of the most sad parts about that research is how many uh, people within, who identify as Asian Australian want to actually take on people leadership roles, but they are thrown into technical roles. Mm. Like it's um, so there are so many stories around this. We are doing some incredible work. There are people in this room who are passionate, dedicated and really making some change and um, the three of you are amongst that. So thank you so thank much. You. I was just going to say there's a lovely Please. article. I think it was... Sorry, a, Sharon, yeah. I don't remember the company, um, but it resonated with me. It got my attention. The tagline was, I've broken the bamboo ceiling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I stopped and thought about it and I thought, my God, yes. Yeah. Yes. Fabulous. Fantastic. Congratulations. It's yeah. great. Yeah. How do we read, um, uh, Lorna? I know you're moving on to from the next yes. one, and you guys are staying. But how do people contact you and your work? Uh, LinkedIn is the best. I'm pretty bad at social media except for LinkedIn. So yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what and what is it that your what is it that your company does? Your consultancy does. So DivTal, it's an online job platform that will help connect organisations with culturally diverse talent. So it hasn't launched yet. It launches in February. So I think, you know, one of the things, if you want diversity, first step is to have representation within your organisation. Yeah. And so we're really trying to help address that because there's a gap in, in the market. Right. One more really... Oh, sorry. Round of applause, yes. We make Leadership of Fools because we love it and because we believe that conversations are more important now than ever before. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts and while you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. You can also check out extra content that we upload onto our LinkedIn page at Leadership of Fools. Thanks again once more and until next time, goodbye. <laughs>